Good morning, everyone. For our scripture this morning, I'm reading from Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. Judge not that you be not judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is a log in your own eye, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is the word of the Lord. As we've been working our way through Jesus's famous Sermon on the Mount, he's been talking about this greater righteousness, this righteousness that exceeds our best attempts at being holy and being good in religion. And Jesus has been describing the type of people who possess this greater righteousness who will inherit the kingdom of heaven. And, he, and he's described them in the Beatitudes as those who are poor in spirit. Uh, those who mourn, who mourn their own sin and weakness, who mourn the state of things in a broken world. Those who are meek, they walk humbly before God and before other people. They're not pretentious, they're not arrogant. Uh, and actually, those who are spiritually poor, who mourn and who are meek, they actually become merciful people and, and they become peacemakers. Now, what do merciful peacemakers not do? They don't judge others. They don't, they don't judge others. And often this idea that Jesus introduces, don't judge or you'll be judged, people often misapply this statement. They use it as a blanket excuse for everything they do and everything they say. Um, you challenge them on what they've done or what they say or what their opinions or beliefs are and they simply go, up, oh, can't judge. You can't judge. The Bible says you can't judge. And that's a complete misinterpretation of what Jesus is doing here. When Jesus says you should not judge because you'll also be judged, he's talking about a specific type of judgment. He's talking about condemnation. Or as one New Testament scholar puts it, Jesus is saying, do not judge unfairly. Because wise people and smart people, they judge, they discern, they weigh things, they evaluate situations and ideas and human behavior all the time, right? So not all forms of judgment are bad or evil. But Jesus is saying that people with a condemning attitude, they will, in the end, receive condemnation. And so he says in verses 1 and 2 of Matthew chapter 7, Judge not, for you will be judged. For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. And now the amazing verses that follow this, um, they teach us how to use discernment in our conflicts. How to use discernment about other people, and more importantly, how to use discernment about ourselves. How to be discerning in conflict, not only about the other person, but about you. You see, condemnation, the bad type of judging, it's when, it's when you look at another person's choices or their habits, 
this is really hard when we're all stuck at home, right? With our siblings or parents or with our spouses or with our friends, whatever the situation is, it's, it's easy to overanalyze everybody, right? We're all driving each other crazy sometimes. So condemnation is when you look at another person's, another person's choices or their habits, their opinions, dare I say their politics or their culture or their race, and then you do something in your mind and in your heart, you dismiss them. In a sense, you dehumanize a person because of all that you see in their life. That's the bad kind of judging, and I'm going to call it condemnation for our purposes today. But there's a good kind of judging. It's discernment. It's going to be what Jesus tries to get us to focus on in our conflict. Discernment. And discernment is weighing all of the things that concern us in another person, weighing all of those things in light of your own faults and in light of the character of the God of the Bible. Discernment is weighing the concerns that you have about another person or another group of people, weighing all of that in light of your own weaknesses and faults and sins and in light of the truth and grace of God. That is a good kind of judging, and it's called discernment. And actually, you discover that those who are spiritually poor, those who do mourn, those who are meek, it is because they have already been practicing discernment in their lives. And so the big idea for today is this. Don't attempt to fix other people before you've already fixed yourself. Don't try and work on another person's problem until you've dealt with your own problem. And so I want to discuss how to fix yourself, how to fix other people, and how God fixes what's unfixable in us. Okay, so fixing yourself, fixing others, and how God fixes what's unfixable in us. And I think this is going to be really helpful for our interpersonal conflicts. So Jesus' wisdom for fixing yourself, what is it? He basically says fixing yourself has to be your first priority in a conflict. Your first priority in conflict needs to be look at yourself and fix yourself. He says in verse 3, Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Now listen, this is carpenter language. I remember Jesus before his ministry, he was a carpenter's son. So Jesus, when he says speck, the word is, it, it's a splinter. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's like a wood chip or a piece of sawdust. And the point of it is, it's, it's an insignificant problem. Look, if I had, ooh, oh, see, see, if I had a speck of sawdust aggravating me in my eye, you wouldn't even be able to see it. It's so small, right? How do you know that I have a speck of sawdust in my own eye. You have to get close enough to me. You have to get too close to be able to notice that speck in my eye. And that's Jesus's point, right? You're, why are you up in somebody else's business? That's what he's saying. Why are you up in somebody else's business? If you can see this, you are way too close. You are analyzing them way too closely. And, and that's really his point. It doesn't, it, 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 it doesn't matter if there really is a problem. You're over-focusing on the issue if you can see something that small. 
Okay, so but then he says, look, there's a log in your own eye. Now the log there, the log means a beam. Remember, he's a carpenter. So when he's taught, when he uses the word log, the word means a beam of wood. It means a plank. It means a rafter used in construction, right? So kids, when you go up into your parents' attic, I know they don't want you up there. When you sneak up there and you see what's holding up the roof of your house, these large beams, that's what Jesus is talking about. He's saying, you, you know, why are you noticing something so tiny in somebody else's eye when there is, there is, a, a, there is an eye beam, right? There is a roof rafter in your own eye. And, and, and the point is, he's saying there's a major problem with you. It doesn't matter if it's a small problem. It's your problem. It should be a big deal to you. It should feel like a beam to you. Now, if you've been following along with us in the Sermon on the Mount, you go back to Matthew chapter 6, and Jesus was telling us that what we focus on is really what we're most devoted to, right? Well, really what he's saying here is that our eyes are preoccupied with the faults of others. That's what we're focusing on, the faults of others, while we're basically blinded to our own faults. Uh, for some years, I served as a conflict coach and, and a mediator in, in mostly Christian settings. And, you know, I, I would help coach and mediate marriages, um, workplace conflicts, even church conflicts. And, and through all of that, I learned that a most critical factor in achieving reconciliation is this. For each side to focus on their own logs primarily instead of focusing on other people's specs. That's how reconciliation is often achieved. Each party, each side, has to focus primarily on its own contribution to the conflict and focus less on the other side's contributions. And this is where you and I probably fail the most in our conflicts. And so Jesus responds. He goes, how can you say, in verse 4, how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? Jesus was a funny guy. And, and, and that's his point. It's, it's a humorous picture because when you do that, you look like a joke to people. And so he goes on to say in verse 5, you hypocrite. Now listen, in, in this passage, he's not talking to his religious opponents, the scribes and the Pharisees. He's talking to his followers. And so this is a loving way of saying you hypocrite. But he says in verse 5, you hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Look, maybe the other person is at fault, but your hypocrisy aggravates the conflict. The New Testament scholar R.T. France, in his very helpful commentary on, on Matthew's Sermon on the Mount, he says, the hypocrite's error is not in his diagnosis, but in his failure to apply to himself the criticism he so meticulously applies to his brother. So Jesus is telling us, attend to what is wrong in you, Attend to what is lacking, what is sinful in you, and make it right. Then you can address the other person's problem. Then and only then 
are you ready to confront their problem. But now you're doing it with wise discernment. Now you're doing it with a humble attitude because you're aware of your own speck. I'm sorry, you're aware of your own plank, your own log, and you've dealt with it by the grace of God. And this is exactly what King David did at the end of Psalm 139, where he's saying to God, I hate your enemies. These people that hate you, I hate them too. They're like my enemies, right? But in that moment, David takes his anger and his indignation and he puts it in check. And he says these amazing words to God, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts and see if there be any grievous way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So Jesus is telling us, in conflict, your first priority is fix yourself. Without exception, priority number one, fix yourself. And now you're in a much better state to be a merciful peacemaker. So Christ's wisdom, not only for fixing yourself, but Christ's wisdom for fixing others is this. Be careful. You're going to fix others. Be careful because not everybody is fixable or you can't fix everybody. So be careful. He says in verse six, do not give to dogs what is holy and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. This is a difficult verse to interpret, but Jesus is basically saying this, and, and this is this is an expression we've heard somewhere else. Uh, in this world, the Christian is going to have trouble, but don't go looking for trouble. See, his Jewish, listener, his Jewish listeners would have understood that something holy, like, like ceremonially clean food, food that is consecrated, food that was meant for temple purposes, it would be unthinkable to take that consecrated food and throw it to dogs to eat because dogs were unclean animals. That would be an unthinkable thing to do. Jesus' Jewish listeners would have also understood that pearls, precious pearls, which, which to the ancient Jews was symbolic for wisdom. You wouldn't take precious wisdom and throw it at pigs who could not comprehend it, who could not use it. These things were unthinkable to the ancient Jewish mindset. Okay, so this is Jesus' point. It is unwise. It is even dangerous to try and remove the speck from someone else's eye who is unable or unwilling to receive your help. Right? Because to them, it's like poking them in the eye. And so there are internal dynamics to this statement. And there are external dynamics to it as well. The the internal dynamics of this amazing statement that Jesus offers here are really important internally for, for Christians. This is an important statement to guard the peace and fellowship of the church, of the Christian community. We don't, we should not counsel one another, correct one another, and rebuke one another without first assessing the situation in our minds, in our hearts. Ken Sandy's uh, Relational Wisdom, just just go online and look it up. Ken Sandy, Relational Wisdom 360. Uh, He has a very helpful model for how 
to pursue peace in your relationships and, 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 and how to prepare in a healthy way for conflicts that will come into your life. He says at all times the Christian should be aware of God, aware of himself or herself, and aware of others. At all times, in a holistic way, be God-aware, be self-aware, be aware of others. Right? Jesus is talking about those who are blessed, those who are flourishing. Well, these are people who are whole. They're not divided. They're, they don't live um, duplicitous lives. They're whole people, God-aware, self-aware, and aware of others. And listen, if you don't do this on a regular basis, then your advice to other people, when you're in conflict with them, your advice is going to get trampled, and you are going to get attacked. Because, because to them, your lack of discernment sounds like condemnation. If you don't assess first in a holistic way, your advice, your counsel, your rebuke, your good ideas are going to seem like condemnation. Or, or it's just that the other person is, is not capable of grasping or appreciating your help. And you haven't assessed that prior to talking to them. And there are also external dynamics for the Christian in this wisdom that Jesus offers. Okay, we conservative evangelical Christians have to be very careful in our culture. Because over the last century, we have developed a habit. Now, this is going to be hard. It's going to be hard for you to hear. But you got to hear this. Conservative evangelical Christians have developed a habit of focusing on the specks of our culture while ignoring the logs in our own eyes. We become very, very good at this, and you know what? It's obnoxious. It's obnoxious to the people out there who do not know Jesus and do not follow him. The culture sees all of this, and, and, and they recognize how ridiculous we look when we are always pointing out the specks of the unbelieving world while ignoring our own locks. But if Christians would focus first on our own faults, make that our habit, make that our default, focus on our own faults with personal confession before God and to other people, um, and repentance, right? making things right and making that a habit, and finally with renewal, personal renewal and community renewal. And in history, that's called a revival. Personal confession and repentance, corporate renewal. If Christians would focus on that first, then the church would be a safer place for people who know they are spiritually sick to get the healing that Jesus Christ offers and, and, and not fear condemnation when, uh, when they come. That's what makes the church and the body of Christ and the Christian community a safe place for sick people to get healing. And this all comes from the meek discipline of being discerning and careful when you try and help or point out a problem in another person. You see, what's unfixable in, in everyone, uh, not only in the Christian or the churchgoer, but in the doubter, in the non-believer, in the secular person, what's unfixable in all of us is our broken sense of justice. We don't have a correct sense of justice. What did Jesus say back in verse 2? Don't judge. Why? He goes, with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Another way of saying this is people reap 
what they sow in the universe that God has created. People reap what they sow. And so here Jesus is is assuring us, he's promising us that there is an absolute moral law that demands justice. Evil and selfishness are going to be held accountable and destroyed. Righteousness and mercy are going to be rewarded and praised. That is a good thing. That is a good, absolute moral principle. People are going to reap what they sow. But if you've been following the Sermon on the Mount, you already know that our focus, what we see, is often misguided by our selfishness. What we focus on is often misguided by our own bias and self-interested purposes. That's why, that's why, friends, you cannot allow yourself to focus most on another person's sin on another person's fault, on another person's ignorance. That's why you can't mostly focus on the other person. Because your sense of justice is flawed. You cannot see clearly. We rarely see things clearly. So so the justice that we deliver upon others, whether it's in deed or word or just in our thoughts or just in our hats, it's not in our hearts, it's not justice at all. If whatever your form of justice is leaves you with contempt, with hatred, or with self-pride, it's hypocrisy. It's not justice at all. There's only one judge. There's only one good judge who sees clearly, and you need his perfect vision on things. The gospel, the good news of Christianity is this, that Jesus was speckless. Not only did he have no logs in his eye, he didn't even have a speck. He was the spotless, perfect Lamb of God, the Bible says. And then God did the unthinkable. God gave what was holy to dogs. God gave, God threw what was precious to pigs. We could not perceive Jesus' beauty and glory and righteousness and love and justice. We could not perceive it. We could not comprehend his message of the kingdom of God, of righteousness and peace and love and mercy and forgiveness We could not perceive his glory and we could not comprehend his message and so we trampled it and we killed him. But what's so amazing about this this true story, what's so amazing about it is that the speckless Lamb of God on the cross satisfied justice for the logs in your eye. So that when the true judge sees you. He sees no specks. He sees no logs. He sees nothing but Jesus who died in your place. If you you believe in Jesus, if you trust him and follow him, what the perfect one judge sees when he looks at you is Christ's perfect, spotless, speckless righteousness. No more logs, no more specks, just the righteousness that Jesus lived 
and died for and accomplished for you. And man, when that righteousness is enough for you, when you prize that, when you see that more than anything else, you don't have to justify yourself anymore by focusing primarily on the faults and sins of other people. That's really what you're doing when you're pointing out the speck in somebody else's eye. You're justifying yourself. You're blind to your own logs. And when the righteousness of Jesus becomes enough for you, when you cherish that and focus on that most, you stop justifying yourself and staring at the specks in other people's eyes. And you begin to say, even in the midst of your conflicts with other people, uh, you begin to say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Jesus, that you died for this log in my eye. Now, now that I have your righteousness, now that what your Father sees in me, your righteousness, now help me remove this log from my eye. Thank you. Now help me remove this so that I can see clearly. And so Jesus' meek and merciful peacemakers can develop this attitude, this attitude that we see in the Apostle Paul when he said to the Corinthians, who were accusing him of all sorts of unfair, unjust things, who were attacking his character, this is what Paul said to them. Imagine having this kind of freedom in your conflicts with other people. He said to them, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. Paul said, It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart. Then each one will receive commendation from God. Fix yourself. Friend, don't attempt to fix others before you fix yourself. Focus on you. Ask God to remove the beam in your eye so that you can see clearly. And what you will see is his forgiveness, his perfect justice, and his merciful love on your behalf. Let him remove the plank from your own eye and you will see Jesus on the cross dying in your place, rising from the dead, promising you that reconciliation was won. And now there is no more condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Let the justice of God fix you, my friend. Let the mercy of God comfort you. And now you become a peacemaker. Jesus achieved peace for you. Now you be a peacemaker. And listen, if you need help with a conflict, if you don't know what to do, if you don't know how to think, if you don't know what to say, reach out to me and we'll talk about it. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for Jesus. Though he was speckless, though he was spotless, he took upon the filth of our sins. He took upon himself the logs, the beams, the planks in our eyes, and he put them on that cross, and he carried that beam for us. And he hung himself 
on that beam for us. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Help us now to appreciate your righteousness, and may we live as those clothed in your righteousness, no longer afraid that we'll be exposed, so that we can say thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for these sins of ours. Now help us remove them from our sight so that we can, with love and humility, with pure hearts, reach out to others, forgive them, help them, and become a safe place. May our lives, may our church be a safe place for people who know they are sick to receive healing without condemnation. Help us to judge rightly, to judge fairly. In Jesus' name, amen.